Amnesty's secret comedy podcast with your host, Mark Dolan. Hello, I'm Mark Dolan and welcome to Amnesty International's secret comedy podcast live from the underbelly in Edinburgh. Today we'll be treated to some top-level stand-up from Ronnie Chang and Richard Gadd and we'll be chatting to radio legend Johnny Walker. We'll also be meeting South Africa's darling of comedy, Tumi Meraki, and we'll be donning our slippers and getting our teeth in to meet Britain's favourite OAP, Barry from Watford. Now, can you believe you're getting all of that absolutely free? The very best of the fringe, and it doesn't cost you a penny. But I've got good news for you. You can do your bit to support Amnesty International. So please stay with us right to the end of this podcast and find out how you can support freedom of expression. So let's kick off with some stand-up comedy. Named by Chortle as one of the top 10 acts to watch at Edinburgh this year and the joint winner of the Best Newcomer Award at Melbourne's Comedy Festival, please welcome Ronnie Chang. Hey, thanks, Mark. Hey, everybody. Thanks for coming down. Uh, I'm always happy to help Amnesty International meet its diversity requirements. Uh, for those of you listening on the podcast at home, yes, I am African-American. <laughs> Obama is kind of like the first African-American president of the United States, right? And he's like an inspirational figure for like minorities everywhere. Even Chinese people from Malaysia, right? When he became president, it was like a message to everyone. Like, look at this guy. He's a role model in the media. Like if, and it doesn't matter what your race is, if you work hard, you too could achieve great things, right? What an inspirational message that is, the first African-American president of the United States. Okay, although me personally, I'm waiting for the first Chinese president of the United States. Okay, because think of the message that that would send to Chinese children everywhere in America. If we have the first Chinese president, you could go up to Chinese children and you can say, hey, listen, buddy, you don't have to be a neurosurgeon, all right? <laughs> If you shut up and work even harder than you already work, you too could become president of the United States. What an inspirational message that is. Because the Chinese race has taken a PR beating in the past couple of centuries, right? Like, when did we become the bad guys? When did that happen? Right? We used to be on top, just kicking ass, right? Just pioneering human innovation, right? Like, Chinese people, we didn't steal intellectual property from anyone. We invented our own shit, all right? We invented paper, right? Are you familiar with that product? <laughs> Maybe you've seen it around a couple of times. Maybe you've read about it on itself. That was us, we did that. You're welcome. You're welcome, humanity. We invented the compass, that was us. We invented fireworks, gunpowder. Uh, we invented poor customer service at restaurants, right? That was us. We're the first guys to treat paying customers like dog shit, right? Revolutionizing the industry. Uh, we, invented, um, we invented chopsticks, right? We invented chopsticks because forks are too easy, am I right? I don't know about you, but personally, I enjoy a challenge when I'm doing a daily activity that's required for my survival. Or is that a spoon? Get that shit away from me. You fucking pussy. I enjoy drinking soup with two sticks. Uh, I feel like the internet's becoming an angry place. Right, just full of trolls and haters. Like, no matter what you do online, a bunch of people want to tell you how much you suck and how much you're wrong. Like, you state half an opinion. Like my mom. My mom cannot understand the concept of an internet troll. Okay, she can't understand how someone can just spew hatred in a public forum and just get away with it. 
scot-free, because that's what a troll is, right? They just spew hatred to push buttons just to rile everybody up. Uh, and my mom, she lives in Singapore right now, okay? And uh, she, she, looked, she went on this random YouTube video, whatever video it was, just derogatory comments, as usual. Any YouTube video, there's always hateful comments on the bottom. She reads these hateful comments, she gets angry, right? Needs to do something about it. So she registers a YouTube account just to respond to every hateful comment on this random YouTube video, right? But worse still, she registers her YouTube account using her real name. Right, so her username is a full real name and she's typing her response, like a three-page dissent. Okay, how dare you say this? You don't know what you're talking about. You're spoiled, you're ignorant, you're so mean, blah, 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 post. Five minutes after posting, regrets posting it because she used her real name, calls me up from Singapore all the way to Australia where I live right now, asking me on the phone, Ronnie, how do you delete a comment off YouTube? So now you have to explain to your mom over the phone how to delete a comment off YouTube. Because she's 5,000 miles away, you have to explain every excruciating step to her. Okay, mom, look, you want to delete a comment off YouTube? Okay, it's easy. Just click the red X next to your comment. Okay, do you see your comment? Yep, just click the red X next to it. Yep, just click it. No, click. No, click. Click is left button. Click means left button. Yep. No, left button on the mouse. On the mouse. No, the mouse. The mouse. Let's leave the wire in front of you. The mouse. Yep, left button. Yep. No. No, you have to move your pointer to the red X first. Move your pointer to the red X and then press the left button. Yep, the pointer. Move the point. The point. The white arrow. Move the white arrow. Yep. The white arrow. Move the white arrow. No, you're right, mom. You're right. The system is stupid. Whoever designed this is stupid. Computers are stupid. YouTube is stupid. Everything's stupid, mom. Everything in the universe is stupid except for you. Okay, let's just get through this. Just move the white arrow to the red X and press the left button. Okay, do you see the white arrow? You don't see the white arrow. Okay, move the mouse. No, you move the mouse. You can locate the white arrow moving as you move the mouse. You might be off screen for a second. Just shake the mouse. Do you see the white arrow moving? Okay, keep shaking the mouse. No, no, this isn't solving the problem. This isn't even step one. <laughs> Keep shaking the mouse, mom. Do you see the white arrow moving as you move the mouse? You don't see the white arrow moving. You see nothing moving. Okay, now you see nothing. Oh, you see nothing now? Okay, screw it, I'm flying over, right now. <laughs> I'm flying over, no, don't book my flight. I'll book it myself, you'll mess it up. <laughs> and then you get there and it's like she wasn't even in front of her computer. <laughs> right. Internet's becoming an angry place. Mainly because of my mom. Hey, listen, you guys have been great. Thanks for coming. Thanks for listening. Lovely work. Fantastic stuff from uh, Ronnie. Next up, a member of the British Empire, no less. Known for his time on radios one, two, and Caroline, he's one of the finest interviewers and broadcasters in the land, which is tricky for me because it means that interviewing him is a bit like sending Elton John some song ideas. Please welcome to the stage, Johnny Walker. Grab a seat, lovely man. Um, now, first of all, how do you approach an interview? What would you say is the key thing? Is it about researching your guest? Um, is it about trying to get a reaction from them, charm them? How, how do you approach an interview? Well, I think research is very important. Mm. Um, Kate Hady is going to be my guest tonight. I'm a bit worried when she turns up, everybody will leave and head for the airport. But... <laughs> so I've been doing a lot of research on, uh, on Kate Hady. And then I think the, the key is to try and listen. But you need to reserve part of your brain for formulating the next question. Sure. And I'd just like it to be spontaneous, really, and have a conversation. People often say, they come into a radio studio and they say, what's your first question going to be? And I say, I've no idea. Yes. You know, I, I won't know till I get out there. But no. if you tell somebody what the question's going to be, they're going to be thinking about it too much. So. 
For sure. Yeah. Now, um, I understand that you've uh, interviewed Tony Benn in the course of your run here at the yeah. Fringe. And there is some, some history between you and Mr. Ben, because I, I, you know, we know that you're, you're one of the um, broadcasters on Radio Caroline, which of course is a pirate radio station. Yeah. We'll come to that in a moment. But he might have had a role in its uh, closure, is that right? <laughs> well, Tony Ben, um, I mean, everybody loves him now. Mm. Uh, he's a much-loved figure. He talks a lot of common sense. Because he's sense. out of power, I'm guessing. Yeah. Back in 1967... Well, if we go back to 63, 64, there was the biggest explosion of creativity and music and fashion that we've known for who knows how long. Uh, and the BBC completely ignored it. I had a producer, a controller of Radios 1 and 2, a fellow called Douglas Muggeridge. Jolly, you know, with the benefit of hindsight, I think we completely underestimated the impact of the Beatles. <laughs> you know, I mean, they're going, they're going all over the world. Thousands of people are meeting them at the airport in New York, and they sweep American. So all that the BBC did was about two hours of pop music on a Saturday morning, that was it. Mm. So a wonderful Irish fella called Ronan O'Reilly dreamt up the idea, well, let's put a radio station on a ship. We'll anchor it uh, more than three miles out in the North Sea in international waters so they can't touch us. Uh, so Radio Caroline started in 1964 and I, I joined in 66. Uh, and I mean, a lot of people call it pirate radio. We call it free radio. Mm. And the Labour government kept saying, we're going to put them off the air, we're going to put them off the air, and, and nothing really happened. And then in 1967, um, uh, Tony Benn uh, drafted a new law called the Marine Offences Act, which made it only applied to British subjects, so it's quite a racist law. Mm. And it meant anybody who broadcasts on Caroline would be liable to two years imprisonment. So uh, he came to be on my show, and um, I said, Tony, you know, what... what you, we all talk about um, democracy and freedom of speech, you know. Freedom of speech is okay if you're on a little soapbox at Hyde Park Corner, but you get a 50,000-watt transmitter in international waters and governments tend to get a little bit worried. Sure. So uh, he drafted this law to put us on the air, so I basically had a pop at him about it. I said, Tony, what do you know? You made me a criminal and threatened to put me in prison for two years just for playing records. You know, sure. what was all that about? Oh, well, he said we wanted to usher in, you know, Radio 1 at the BBC, you know, get the BBC to do a pop service. I said, yeah, well, you did, but it was crap. <laughs> wasn't, wasn't a patch on the pirates. But also, so. I mean, it raises the theme of it's not up to politicians to decide what should uh, be in the airwaves. And, of course, now technology means that it would be impossible to legislate against people broadcasting and putting stuff out there because of the internet and everything else. So, obviously, you see this as a very sort of positive... In a way, it's a sort of return to that spirit of free radio that Absolutely we have is, in 2013. Yeah. yeah, I've got a little podcast I call Alternative Johnny Walker, which has sort of a bit of a spiritual, positive slant, talks to people who are trying to make a difference. And there's nobody telling me what I can and can't do. It's, it, it's, it's wonderful freedom. And tell us about uh, Twitter as well, because Twitter and social media is another sort of tool in that. And you're quite a keen tweeter, aren't you? Uh, when I've got a show going, I'm trying to flog a ticket. <laughs> <laughs> I see. We're getting to the truth now. Well, I'd love you to stay with us. Um, let's enjoy some more stand-up now. Uh, Tumi Maraki is the queen of South African stand-up. She's going down a storm here in Edinburgh as well, of course, and she joins us now. Please welcome Tumi Maraki, ladies and gentlemen. Hi. It's great to be in Edinburgh. I'm enjoying it. Uh, okay, not so much. Because I have to walk a lot. I, why are there so many steps in Edinburgh? Guys, why? Why? I feel like I'm stuck in a medieval Lego project. Because <laughs> it's crazy. You guys have steps 
that lead to steps, that lead to steps, so I can get to the steps. What the hell? I was not built for steps. If Nelson Mandela had to do the long walk to freedom in Edinburgh, South Africa would be screwed. <laughs> he would have gone halfway and gone, screw this, I'm going back to jail. Uh-uh, uh-uh. It's too much. It's too much because I know there are skinny people behind me while I'm going up those steps. And they're placing bets. They're placing bets. They're going, bet you a tenner. Bet you a tenner. She stops halfway. <laughs> but there's always one guy, I'm sure, who believes in me going, she looks like a feisty one. I give her all the way. And I just start slowing down. <laughs> This guy's going, go, fatty, go, go, fatty, you can't do it. It's crazy, it's punishment. The next revolution that's going to happen in Edinburgh is disabled people and fat people uniting against the steps. I'm going to lead that revolution. <laughs> in fact, I want to come back to Edinburgh next year, but I'm coming back prepared. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm bringing a harness. I'm, <laughs> I'm not messing around, I'm bringing a harness. Now, I come here as a wife and a mother, so technically I'm in exile. Because <laughs> I've left my husband and kids back in South Africa. And it's insane, it's insane, because I came here pregnant. Which was, uh, the pregnancy was a mistake, by the way. Uh, because I have two sons who have already tried selling to Madonna. I've, <laughs> I've done my best. <laughs> so you can imagine this was unintentional. Um, I did try taking the morning after pill. I went with my husband, we agreed. We agreed that because I was coming to the festival, I could not afford to be pregnant. But it happened anyway, which tells me I might be carrying a junkie. <laughs> Clearly this child took that morning after pill and schnaffed it, just went, yeah, I'm coming, bitch, whether you like it or not. Ah. <laughs> my name is Tumi Maraki, thanks for listening. Absolutely lovely work. Well done, Tumi. That was fantastic. Absolutely love your set. I don't know where you get your energy from. Tumi, uh, how do you uh, feel um, performing in Scotland? Is there any difference to a sort of South African crowd and, and uh, up here in Britain? Is there, a, is there a difference or is it just a question of funny's funny? Ah, uh, no. It's very different. I found, I found the, the audience here very sensitive, very PC. I've had to walk them through my material. Uh, <laughs> because, you know, when I speak at home, I'm very open. Because we had that issue with xenophobic attacks, I'm very open about um, my children being foreign, what it means, and challenging stereotypes and perceptions. I come here, I do the same thing, and I get the sense people are going, you bloody racist. <laughs> so that's, that's been the challenge. So Just, do you feel that in a way you have to sort of pierce through a kind of, it's a sort of Western European political correctness, is that sort of feel, feel yeah, of the place? Yeah, yeah. Mm. I'm like, let go and don't laugh in English. Also, because <laughs> really, you know, you, these audiences find things funny, but they're not going, <laughs> they're all like, <laughs> so I think I'm dying. Meanwhile, they're going, that was brilliant. <laughs> yes, as a nation of listeners, I think. Because we're doing a podcast, so I should describe the fact that you're wearing a uh, Pussy Riot t-shirt. Now, uh, I should mention that uh, Amnesty is supporting the free Pussy Riot campaign. A Russian band locked up for their performances, really. So that's obviously something, you know, it's a sort of subject, a theme that's close to your heart, which is the right to say or perform whatever yeah. it is that you've got on your mind. Yeah, I come from a country where our president was on trial for rape before he became president. Mm. Never mind all the other stuff he was in court for. 
has five wives. We're in a country where they have a thing called corrective rape, <laughs> where you're raped for being a lesbian. And um, we have to say something about it. No one wants to talk about it. And you have to. And laughter is the best way to get to people, to say, we're scared of this. We need to talk about it. So I get excited when I hear that there are people all over the world who are also having their say. And to hear that people still get arrested in this day and age for just voicing their opinion is scary. And how, how, how free do you feel um, to kind of speak out in South Africa? Does it, you know, have you had felt the heat of the authorities on you at any point? Or uh, would you say that freedom of expression is pretty healthy there now? It's healthy to a point. I've had mild threats from people who are associated with the ruling party and stuff, mm. but uh, nothing on a large scale, yeah? Um, but uh, you see, my father was in jail for treason all of my childhood. And my mother spent a little bit of time as well in jail for the same reason. So I am not scared of a damn thing. Yeah. Bring it. Bring it. And I think you'll agree we could listen to, to me all day long. Now, folks, please remember that this podcast is coming to you completely free. But Amnesty does need your help to continue promoting rights like freedom of expression around the world. So please, please donate whatever you can by going to amnesty.org.uk forward slash chip in. Now, he's the standout star of Steve Wright in the Afternoon on Radio 2, the pick of the comedians at this year's Fringe. And he's here right now shooting from his new hip. Please welcome the iconic, the legendary Barry from Watford. Hello there. Barry, what a treat. Tell us about, um, first of all, your experiences of Edinburgh. Have you had good experiences since oh, uh, you arrived? It has been a, a, a lovely time. Me and my wife, uh, Margaret. We <laughs> very friendly people in, in, in Scotland. <laughs> we went in the town the other day and my Margaret needed the toilet, you see. So, uh, <laughs> we went into the Buffalo Grill in Chapel Street, and my wife, she went in the toilet. <laughs> I had a little drink, waited, got me a drink. He said, any idea what your wife would be having? I said, I'll say it's a dump, judging by the, <laughs> the time, you know. And that's the sort of level you'll get from my shows. <laughs> Nothing really clever. <laughs> Now, you've left your comfort zone, which I would imagine to be Watford, in a word. Yes, it is. The jewel in the crown of Hertfordshire. Watford. Very wonderful Watford. You do get, this time of year, it's nice to be out, because the kids, you know, going out on the warm nights, getting tiddly on drugs, you know, uh, <laughs> eating silly biscuits, you know. <laughs> calling me a twat outside Londis, and... <laughs> But if I went up to one of them and shot him in the face with a gun, who'd end up in court? There's certainly a degree of hypocrisy there, I think. Muggins here, that's who. Do you I've think... broken the chair and all. I know that's... That's the, uh, that's the, uh, the Scottish diet, so uh, weighing, weighing on you I heavily, in, Barry. Funny you should say that. I went into, I won't name the shop, but the shop, the shop. <laughs> Pies! Pies! And I had ye oldie lamb 
kidney and bacon. <laughs> How oldy that kidney was. <laughs> My guess is eight years. I had breath after that that could blister the flock wallpaper off a curry house wall. <laughs> Bloody disgusting! Johnny, um... <laughs> are, you, are you envious <laughs> that your colleague... Are you envious that your colleague Steve Wright has optioned this man as a contributor to his show? And are you well, not... He's never heard of me when I turned up before. <laughs> never heard of me. It's nice to make an impact, isn't it? Bloody hell. How are you getting on on the buses? Because the first time, you know, I brought That's up my tricky. bus pass. It's kind of one, one of the benefits of getting old. Yeah. And I get on my first bus, swipe the old thing, and uh, it doesn't work. And the driver says, what do you got there? So I opened it up. He said, ah, that'll may work up here, laddie. You know. Oh, well. Which I thought was a bit... It's much better. I mean, London is very good with the transport. We, me and my Margaret go out and rock up to London. Still go, still go on dates. <laughs> We got on London Midland to go on, it was fine, but a ticket collector got on at one of the places and demanded to see my wife's oyster, I said. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be so disgusted, you know. Bushy, it was definitely bushy. <laughs> you know, appalling. Said he thought it was strapped to zone two, you know. But now, we do go up to London. <laughs> We don't go up. It's not very clever, is it, any of this? But we go up to London a lot, you see, but it's very, very... It's ever so busy. We went up to London. We're just at that area where Regent Street meets Shaftesbury Avenue. Oh, it's like Piccadilly Circus down there. <laughs> now, Toomey is struggling. She needs oxygen. Toomey, um... How do you think he'd go down in South Africa? He'd destroy! He'd destroy! <laughs> You've come to Scotland, which is already brave. Yes, I probably would go over there if someone who, who, who paid me, put me up somewhere. Yes, I would. Very nice. Do you have a rider? Yes, it's a mobility thing that I picked up from. <laughs> if you charge it at night, it's excellent. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Barry from Watford. Thank you so much. Very, very hard. Take your time on those stairs, Barry. OK, folks, well, we'll try to follow that with some more stand-up. The breakthrough star of this year's Free Fringe, performing for us in a somewhat awkward and absolutely hilarious manner, strap yourselves in for Richard Gadd. So it's been, a, it's been a tough two weeks, it's been a tough two weeks. Two weeks ago my girlfriend came up to me and said she really wants to try practicing the art of tantric sex. The art of tantric sex. And I didn't know what that was. So I looked it up. And tantric sex is going for a considerable amount of time without coming. So I went back up to her and I said, listen Kathy, I've been going out with you for five years. And you haven't come once. <laughs> what more do you want from me? What more can one man give to the whole situation, Kathy? And then one week ago, one solitary week ago, she came up to me and she said, I'm thinking of leaving you, right? And I said, please, no. <laughs> okay, let's do some jokes. Um, 
Okay, I've got some jokes here. I've got, uh, oh, I've got some jokes. Just uh, some. Is this on? Yep. Uh, I got some. Uh, yeah, uh, walking down the road the other day. Right, walking down the road. Uh, came across one of those young Tories. I said, "Oi, Tory, shut up, you dick." <laughs> Your mama's so fat, she's ill. <laughs> So give me a chance if you smoked marijuana before. It's unacceptable. <laughs> so why did the feminist cross the road? To clean my dishes and suck my balls, what the fuck? <laughs> Not an amnesty, fucking hell. Okay, they were all sexist. Um, oh God, so Greece, Greece are moving out of the Eurozone and back to the drachma, according to reports. Fucking hell. Oh, okay. So I went to Amsterdam recently and fucking hell, I smoked so much weed. I took so many mushrooms, I was tripping balls. And then I slept with tons of prostitutes. And when I was done, I left the Anne Frank Museum. <laughs> yeah, she had a tough life. Uh, it's racist. Okay, oh, oh, so, so buns, 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 yeah, yeah. I was down the pub with my mate the other day, down the pub with my mate, and he said, that guy over there, he's an Indian. And I said, no, he's not. He's an Eskimo. Easy mistake. I said Eskimo, he said Indian. I said Eskimo, he said Indian. So we just went up and we asked the guy. Turns out he was an Eskimo. Inuit all along. <laughs> Okay, um... Uh, uh, so, so it's funny when comedians put a twist on any of their jokes, they're going in one direction, all of a sudden they go in another. I was having a wank the other day. And I enjoyed it very much, yes. The staff at Tesco didn't. Not sure what they were doing hanging around my bedroom. Two twists, two, two twists. But again, not sure what I was doing, but in my bedroom and Al-Six at Tesco, twist number three. But again, not sure what Tesco were doing building their store in the Anne Frank Museum, twist number four, callback. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, this has been absolutely Thanks very much to Amnesty for having me on. What a wonderful cause, what a wonderful bunch of people as well, and what a wonderful bunch of guests to listen to. Thank you very much. Ladies and gentlemen, you've been wonderful. I've been Richard Gag. Good night. There we are, the fabulous Richard Gad. So thanks to everyone who's been on the show today. We had uh, Ronnie Chang, Johnny Walker, Tumi Moraki, Barry from Watford, and Richard Gad. Thank you for joining us here at the Underbelly, all of you that have come to see the show. I've been Mark Dolan, and please keep supporting Amnesty International and keep listening now for our special announcement. Goodbye. You've just been listening to Free Comedy, courtesy of Amnesty International. Please make a donation to our vital work. My name is Tom Davis, and I'm a campaigner in Amnesty's Human Rights Defenders Programme. I've worked at Amnesty for eight years. That means I work with people across the world who are fighting for their rights and face daily threats, intimidation and brutality for wanting to do the things that we take for granted, such as speaking out for what we believe in. 
For example, at the moment I'm working with a group called Women of Zimbabwe Arise, who are regularly beaten and arrested for standing up for their rights. Their leader, Jenny Williams, has been arrested nearly 50 times simply for leading peaceful protests. I do this because it's amazing to know that my actions here in the UK can increase the safety of someone as far away as Zimbabwe. To find out more about my work and Amnesty, then just go to amnesty.org.uk and please donate £5 by texting JUSTICE and your full name to 70505. Thank you. Your text will cost £5 plus one standard message costing up to 10p. Amnesty UK receives at least £4.75. Please ask the bill payer's permission. To unsubscribe from contact, text STOP to 70505 at any time. Full terms and conditions at amnesty.org.uk slash SMS terms.